Welcome to the podcast of Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. We hope that you enjoy the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. If you're turning your Bibles to Matthew chapter 12, Matthew chapter 12, we'll be beginning at verse 22 today. And uh, I was thinking about this passage, and you know, there are sometimes we look at a passage and it's telling us about the miracles that Jesus did and, and who God is, who Jesus is, what He did for us. And sometimes we look at a passage and it's telling us how we are to live in light of who God is, and, and uh, it's giving us moral instruction on, on how we are to live. And this, this passage is grave. Uh, this passage is, is a warning. Sometimes that's what the Scripture does for us. It, it gives us a warning of, of danger. Um, when a child, uh, when you tell a child not to touch a hot stove, it's a warning because you want the best for that child. You don't want them to hurt themselves. And Jesus here gives us a warning. Something I want us to also remember, this is not coming from Paul. You know, some, sometimes people try to put Paul against Jesus and, and, and try to say, well, Jesus, he's all meek and mild and all forgiving and everything. And, and Paul, oh, he's just mean old Paul, right? But... This is, this is coming, this is, these are very grave words, a serious warning coming from the mouth of Jesus Himself. And that's something I also want us to remember as we, we look at this. But this text looks at something we, we often don't think about. In this text we encounter what Jesus calls blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. And it seems odd to us. All the time we talk about how Jesus has come to bring forgiveness. Jesus has, has come to set us free from our sins. And He has. He has come to set us free. To wash away all of our sins through His atoning blood. And yet Jesus here presents Jesus Himself out of His very mouth. He presents this sin, blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, which He says will not be forgiven. That's terrifying. That can be terrifying. I've known people in my past, some that I've been very close to, who have been worried that they have somehow committed the this sin of blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we have a sensitive soul and we're so concerned about our own sins that we're afraid, maybe I've done that. Maybe I'm, I've done something which can no longer be forgiven. I think some of the best advice about that is if you're worried about it, 
you haven't done it. Because I think blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is something that once you have done it, you are your, your conscience is seared and you are no longer sensitive to the work of the Spirit. And if you worry about it, thank God for your worry. Because it's a sign that you haven't done it. Well, enough for our preliminaries. Let's go ahead and dive into the text and see what, see what the Scripture has to say. Then a demon-possessed man, or demon-oppressed man, who was blind and mute, was brought to him, and he healed him so that the man spoke and saw. And the people were amazed and said, Can this be the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, It is only by Beelzebul, the prince of demons, that this man casts out demons. Knowing their thoughts, he said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and no city or house divided against itself will stand. And if Satan casts out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? And if I cast out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they will be your judges. But if it is by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or how can someone enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man? Then indeed he may plunder his house. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. Therefore, I tell you that every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven people, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. And whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or in the age to come. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit fruit bad, for the tree is known by its fruits. You brood of vipers, how, do you, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be justified, and your words you will be condemned. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. By your word you have revealed to us who you are, and you have revealed how we can have a relationship with you, how we can be forgiven of our sins. Lord, help us this morning to have ears to hear and eyes to see. Lord, be with me. Give me grace as I preach Your Word. Lord, Your Word gives warning that every careless word will one day be judged. Lord, may I not be careless with my words this morning. 
Give me strength and grace in Jesus' name. Amen. We begin here setting the context. It tells us, Then a demon-oppressed man who was blind and mute was brought to him, and he healed him. There's very little detail here. This is not a story about a miracle. The miracle was just the very first verse presenting the stage so that we would see what else was about to follow. This demon-possessed man, he was both blind and mute. If we think back to some of our previous messages, we can think of how uh, actually just back in, uh, in Matthew chapter 11, we also have read the, the Old Testament passage from Isaiah saying that in the day that the Messiah comes, the blind will see and the mute will speak. This sign of, of healing of, of a blind and mute man where this, this man had a demon, oppressed, a, a, a demon oppression that was cast out was a sign that the Messiah had come. What only God could do, healing a blind man, had been done. The people... It says, were amazed. And they said, can this be the son of David? They got it. The people, the crowds, they got it. They were amazed. They realized, oh man, this is a sign. It, the, when the Messiah comes, the blind will see. The, de the mute will speak. The deaf will hear. All of those things. They got it. And they said, can this be the son of David? They're like, yes, it has to be. This is the one. We see the importance of the Son of David title throughout the book of Matthew. The very beginning of Matthew begins telling us that Jesus was the Son of David. You look at the genealogy that goes from Abraham to David and from David all the way to Jesus. And it says Jesus was the son of Joseph, the son of David. This is important. It's connecting the fact that Jesus was the fulfillment of the promise that He was the Messianic Seed. The one who would come and fulfill his promise to David and his promise to Abraham and all of his promises from the Old Testament. So when the people ask that question, they realize this is the one. But, there's a contrast. But when the Pharisees heard it, you have the people who recognize who Jesus is from what he's doing. They recognized His identity as the Messiah. But the Pharisees, they heard it and said, it's by Beelzebul, the prince of demons, that He casts out demons. They recognized Jesus' power. They saw the miracles. They saw how Jesus had healed the blind and the deaf and the mute and raised the dead. They saw it. They couldn't deny that it was done. So what did they do? They attributed it to Satan's work. It couldn't be God because we don't like this Jesus character. So it must be Satan.
Jesus, it says here, knowing their thoughts. Jesus was fully God and fully man. He was fully man. He, he, he was born of a virgin. He, 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 he grew up from a, 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 an infant in a manger and lived through all the experiences of human being. He didn't, he, was, he didn't just appear to be a human being. He was a human being. But at the same time, He was fully God. And He was able to know their thoughts. He wasn't just guessing. But He knew their thoughts. He knew what was inside of them. And He said, He answered them. They, they didn't even speak it. He knew their thoughts. And He said, Every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste. A city or house divided against itself, itself will not stand. We kind of know this idea. It's paraphrased. He was paraphrased by uh, Abraham Lincoln during the Civil War. A house divided against itself will not stand. Speaking of America, Jesus here is saying, is Satan really going to disrupt his own work? <laughs> is he going to cast out... A, that, that's, that's silly. That, that he's... he's it, well, that doesn't even make sense that it would be Satan. Is Satan going to cast out himself? No. Is Jesus' answer for that? He then... See, at that time, there were also Jewish exorcists who would go about casting out demons. Uh, we read about some um, in the book of Acts, these seven sons of Siva who were Jewish exorcists. But the book of Acts tells us about these seven men. They went and they tried to cast out a demon, but they'd seen the success that Paul had it casting out demons in Jesus' name, and they, they decided, well, we'll use Jesus' name. They tried to cast out a demon by Jesus' name, and the demon looked at him and said, well, we know Paul, or we know who Jesus is, and we've heard of Paul, but who are you? And this demon, this man with the demon, chased off these seven sons, and they ran away naked and bleeding. <laughs> there were... Jewish exorcists at the time. Jesus makes reference to this. He says, if I'm casting out demons by Satan, then who do your sons cast them out by? That is, who, who among you, the, the Pharisees, the religious leaders among the Jewish people of the time, who are you casting them out by? He's saying, if I'm guilty, then you must be too. Verse 28. But if it is by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. 
Jesus again makes reference to this kingdom. If he is casting out demons by the Spirit of God, then the signs of the coming of the Messiah, the coming of the kingdom, are here. And it's undeniable. Jesus then changes his uh, analogy here. Or how can someone enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man? Then indeed he may plunder his house. Jesus came into this world to defeat Satan. From the Genesis chapter 3, from Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, we read about the curse on the serpent where God tells the serpent, I will put enmity between your seed, that's to, he's saying to Satan, and her seed, he's saying to Eve, and he will bruise his heel and he will crush Satan's skull, the serpent's skull. Jesus came to defeat the devil, to defeat the serpent of old. When He died upon the cross and rose again on the third day, He crushed Satan under His foot. And the signs of casting out demons during His ministry was showing that He was coming and He was binding the strong man. He was showing that he had power over Satan and all of his minions. So again, Jesus was saying, it only makes sense. The Messiah is here. I'm Him. And if I'm going to come and I'm going to defeat Satan, then of course one of my works is going to be to cast out demons. Verse 30, whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. Here, Jesus says, there is no black and white. You cannot sit on the fence. You're either with me or you're not. You're either with me or you're not. So many times, maybe we try to sit on the fence. Try to sit on the fence. We want people to think we follow Jesus. We're still dabbling in the old life. Jesus says with me, you can't sit on the fence. It's black or white. You're either with me or you're against me. Be all in with Jesus. Be all in. Then he goes into this scary warning. We're finally there. Therefore I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven people. I'll stop right there. Every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven people. 
every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven people. He starts with something that is encouraging. We need to hear this too. We don't need to just hear the second part. Every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven people. Murderers. Rapists. Adulterers. Every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven people. There is nothing beyond His grace. There is nothing. If you feel that you have done something that is so far gone that you can't be forgiven, you need this verse. Every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven people. You are not beyond His grace. You are not beyond His grace. Every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven people. But, and from my study this week, I don't believe this is an exception. He says, but blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, against the Spirit, will not be forgiven. He repeats it again. Expands on it. And whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. The Son of Man was Himself. The Son of Man was the second person of the Trinity. Jesus Himself. If someone speaks a word against Jesus, they can be forgiven. They'll be forgiven. But, if someone speaks a word against the Holy Spirit, He will not be forgiven. When I said I don't think this is an exception, what do I mean by that? He says, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven. How do we receive forgiveness for sin and blasphemy? By repentance by turning from our sin and trusting in Jesus to forgive us. Every sin and blasphemy can be forgiven when we repent, we turn away from our sins, we look to Jesus for our forgiveness. But blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, I believe, has to be something that cuts us off from the ability to repent. It is something that we can no longer repent once we've done. The difference isn't between there are some sins that you can be forgiven of and others, oh, that's just too far. Blasphemy of the Holy Spirit can't, will not be forgiven because once you have committed blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, you will no longer seek repentance. It is a hardening of the heart that someone willfully does by saying no over and over and over again to the Holy Spirit's prompting. The uh, Context here does tell us something about what is blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. What were these Pharisees doing? 
They saw the signs. They knew it had to be the Messiah. They knew this had to be the work of God, and yet they were attributing it to Satan. Blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is like what these Pharisees were doing. It's attributing the work of God to Satan. The work of God to Satan. Seeing the signs. Seeing clearly, knowing this is God. And saying, no. Attributing it to Satan. Some people will say blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is final unbelief. Dying in a state of unbelief where you have rejected the Holy Spirit up until the point where you die. However, this last phrase here in verse 32 makes that seem like it's unlikely. It says here, it will not be forgiven either in this age or in the age to come. It seems that he's saying that's something that can be done now in the present while you're still living. So the warning here, how are we saved? What is the process by where that happens? We know we are saved through all three persons of the Trinity working together in our salvation. God the Father has planned from all eternity what He will do in sending His Son. The Son came and He lived a sinless life and He went to the cross bearing our sins so that we could be forgiven. He took upon Himself our sin. And what does the Holy Spirit do in the process of our salvation? He opens our eyes. He awakens us. So that when we hear the Gospel, He comes to us and enlivens us. So the danger here, I think, is when the Holy Spirit comes knocking, don't tell Him no. Don't tell Him I'll do it later. Because we are not sovereign over our own salvation. We cannot just wake up one day and think, I think I'm going to get saved today. Salvation comes by God's sovereign plan. He sends the Holy Spirit to us and He awakens us. He gives us new life. He causes us to come from life into death. And when we hear His prompting, we cannot guarantee that that will come again. And when we say no, no, I won't listen to the Spirit. I won't listen to the Spirit. Over and over and over again, it's presumptuous of us to think that He'll just keep coming back. And that there will be a next time. 
after we have said no, we may commit. We don't know if we may commit blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, and He will never pursue us again. Now again, if you've ever worried about it, you haven't committed it. I can still stand here and say, the cross has paid for your sins and if you look to Jesus no matter who you are no matter what you've done look to Him and you can be saved you have not gone too far the invitation is open today is the day of salvation Jesus the Lord says you don't know what tomorrow brings Verse 33. I'm going to try to wrap it up quick because I'm going a little long today. Either make the tree good and its fruit, or make the tree bad and its uh, bad and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by its fruit. He's speaking here to the Pharisees. The Pharisees are showing who they are by how they respond to Jesus. The Pharisees did not respond the same way the crowds did. The people, they saw what Jesus did and they realized who He was. Is this the Son of David? They realized. Their eyes were open. The Pharisees, they saw what Jesus did and they said, this is the work of Satan. And Jesus is saying, those people who recognized who He was, that's good fruit. They're showing who they are. And those who dismissed Jesus said that He was doing the work of Satan. That's bad fruit. They're doing it because that's who they are. He then says, You brood of vipers! This is not just a mere insult. John the Baptist called the religious leaders the same thing. You brood of vipers. He's not just calling the names. No, a brood of vipers. He is making reference to the seed from Genesis chapter 3 of the serpent. The seed of the serpent. We can go back and trace in the book of Genesis. We have this conflict between the seed of the serpent and the seed of the woman. You have Cain, who's shown to be the seed of the serpent because he kills his brother Abel. And then God rises up Seth, who will be another seed. And you have this conflict throughout the book of Genesis and throughout the Bible between the seed of the serpent and the seed of the woman. Jesus here, when He calls the Pharisees, you brood of vipers, He's saying, you are like your father the devil. They are showing who they are in this biblical conflict that we've seen all the way through Scripture. You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. 
The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. By treasure here, it's not so much thinking of uh, something valuable as it is the storehouse of, of stuff. So, we all have in our hearts stuff that's stored. The things that we've learned, the things that we've absorbed into our lives. Here, Jesus tells the Pharisees, they're speaking out of that the, those who were speak good speak so out of the treasure, out of the source, out of the storehouse of the things that they have in their hearts. And the evil person speaks out of the storehouse of the things that they have in their hearts. Verse 36, I tell you on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. Blasphemy, as Jesus was talking about, can be described as a speech sin. He put blasphemy with a parallel to speaking against the Holy Spirit. Speaking against the Son of Man. Blasphemy is to slander. To attribute Jesus' works to Satan was to slander the Holy Spirit's work in him. One of these days we will all stand before the judgment seat. And on that judgment day, we will all give an account for every careless word. It means we need to be careful about what we say. We need to be careful about what we say. Words can hurt. James tells us, with our words we bless our God and Father, and with our words we curse our neighbor. And it ought not to be so. Paul tells us in the epistles, I don't remember which reference, he says, let no unwholesome word come out of your mouth. Let's be careful about every word that comes out of our mouth because we will stand before Him one day and answer for every word that we speak. Now we are covered in the blood of Jesus. We are forgiven. We will still stand before Him and give an account. Verse 37, For by your words you will be justified and by your words you will be condemned. Pharisees, their words were. Jesus was doing this by the power of Satan. Their words condemned them. He says, your word, by your words you will be justified. Romans 10, 9 and 10. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. 
Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe that God raised Him from the dead, you shall be saved. By your words, you will be justified. You believe in your heart that Jesus rose from the dead. Do you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord. By your words, you will be justified. And by words, those who will be condemned will be condemned. Let me back up. We'll try to bring this to a close. Words are dangerous. James tells us, our tongue is like a fire, setting everything on fire, being set on fire by hell itself. The tongues of these Pharisees revealed what was inside of them. They were attributing Jesus' work to Satan because they were the seed of the serpent. By our words, we will be justified. Look to Jesus. Confess Him as Lord. When someone asks you, what is your only hope in life and in death? Confess. My only hope is Jesus. My only hope is in the blood and His righteousness. Not in me. Warning is real. The Spirit works where He wishes. Don't push Him aside. Don't ignore His prompting. Look to Jesus. listening to this message from Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. For more information, please visit us at RedeemerBaptistPanama.com or you can like us on Facebook.